Juncture on Gormley. You could have spent Saturday in the park. Uh, the weather we've had has been absolutely fabulous. But we are told by Environment Canada, by the Weather Network and others, <laughs> all of this soon coming to a crashing halt as the really cold weather starts to roll in this week. Well, I'm so glad you've stopped in here today. My name's John Gormley. We have a great show ahead for you. Some interesting guests. Kim Shore, you might have heard about. Uh, she has been embroiled for at least the last 18 months in the toxic state of what's happened to gymnastics. And this is not unique to gymnastics. At many, many sporting organization levels, from the treatment of young athletes to the cultural issues that have to be tackled. Uh, she's a former board member of Gymnastics Canada. She's also a former performance gymnast and a mum of a gymnast. Kim Shore here at 11 o'clock. Uh, we're going to meet Joe Carson, career civil servant, municipally, provincially, federally, has written the go-to book on government regulation, and it is not for you and me a good thing. It's called Diagnosis Red Tape, a fading trust in the administration of government. And Joe's going to explain what red tape and government regulation is and how it actually costs each of us twice. He'll be here at 10 o'clock. Right now, though, this is the hour of the big stories where absolutely anything and everything goes. The phones are yours, 877 877- Three three two eight two five five. We will get some texts on if time permits. I, however, like the sound of your voice, which has been an enduring and defining part of this show and of me for twenty five years. And the show, at least in this form, comes to an end on Friday as I step aside. However, the talk radio that convenes the coffee row in this province every morning and has for a quarter of a century, will continue. Starting a week from today, my buddy Evan Bray, retired chief of the Regina Police Service, long time uh, before being a cop. Uh, He was a broadcaster. Uh, He was the voice at Old Taylor Field. You remember, for over a dozen years, uh, on the PA system at Ryder Games. So Evan Bray, here, a week from now. And uh, it is, (laughs) it's with mixed feelings. I've enjoyed every moment of this state of my career, 25 years is a long time. The time has gone by more quickly than I ever could have imagined. But all things have a time, and I step aside. I'll still be here. I'm uh, going to actually be practicing more law than I have, uh, although I do practice law now. Uh, I'm going to be working with some friends uh, at Cipherling Law, Larry and Stephen. And, uh, again, won't be full-time, but it'll be some law, some grandkids, some kids, some travel, and the next step of life. All right, down to business this morning. Uh, we will talk the stunning Alouettes come from behind win in the Grey Cup, the redemption and bounce-back story of Cody Fajardo. But my buddy Brian Pfefferly, a great criminal trial lawyer, he takes the view I once held on sex work. There was a more libertarian part of me years ago that said, look, if two people want to transact sex... One of them wants to sell it. One of them wants to buy it. What could possibly be the role for the interference of the state? Well, the Supreme Court has gone halfway there. It is no longer a crime to provide or sell sex. It is a crime 
to negotiate what's called the commodification of sexual services. It is similarly a crime to receive those services if you have negotiated something in exchange for them. So, not illegal to sell it, but illegal to buy it and negotiate it. There are very good reasons for this, in my view. And again, it's been a 180-degree change in my thinking. And much of that was years ago on this show. We had a woman on who teaches at one of the John schools in the province. And the reason we're talking about this now, a Sask Party MLA named Ryan Dometer has been bounced out of the Sask Party. He will sit in the House, one assumes as an independent, if he shows up at the legislature again. He is facing charges under this commodification of sexual services. Caught in a sting by the RPS. Uh, we don't know the details, but he was arrested at a hotel, which, as Mr. Pfefferly indicates, the likely approach the RPS did, and they do a couple of the a year they run ads online uh escort service sexual services a b and c uh we're in town for three days you know get a hold of us now negotiation goes back and forth they save all the texts or if it's phone calls they save all the recordings buddy shows up at the hotel to close the deal undercover police officer uh, gets him to make the offer do whatever it's going to take to have the service communicated and negotiated uh then she leaves then the undercover uh, the she leaves as the undercover then the other cops sweep in they've got it all on video they've got it all on camera and the guy's cooked so pfefferly had said what will happen in almost and invariably virtually all of these cases the perp charged criminally admits his responsibility then goes to so-called john school and upon successful completion, uh, they do not proceed with the charge. So even though there's a record of him having been arrested, there's no criminal record because there is no conviction entered. So Pfefferly takes the view that much of the, that this should be not a criminal offense on either side of the transaction. I don't agree, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute. 877-332-8255. Devin heard that conversation and has some thoughts. Devin, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, how do you see the whole issue on sex work? I uh, basically disagree with Ryan or Brian. Uh, Canada has what's called the Nordic model, which I don't think is perfect, but it's the best model out there that uh, protects the women and uh, goes after the Johns. Um, just as an aside, um, many people probably don't know this, but uh, Trudeau is wanting to remove the Nordic model. So just uh, more more reason to vote him out uh, in the next election. But um, <laughs> there, there are many reasons already, but I'm glad you mentioned that. I'd forgotten all about that because we discussed this, you know, before the Terry Lynn Bedford case, the so-called Nordic model. Uh, elaborate on what the policy is of that. Uh, basically, the women are um, there, there's nothing criminal for the women because they're generally seen as the victims in in, in most uh, situations. So they're going after the Johns or generally the men that are perpetuating this uh, activity. Um, as uh, Brian said, it is it is very difficult to actually um, do anything criminally, and they are not criminally charged. So generally, they they get away with it. You know, except for going to John's school and their family finds out, et cetera, it can be in the media. But 
it's not uh, not criminally charged for the most part. But, but that's pretty damning, though. I mean, here's this guy who's a sitting politician, you know, and his own boss, the premier, says uh, those in public office should be working to support vulnerable women, not exploit them. So the guy loses his position. I don't know if he'll ever show up at the legislature again. Uh, he'll be a one-term politician. That's got, I think, some consequences. Oh, 100%. And Alberta used to have a thing where it was called the report of John. And so you could um, report the John activity and the police can't do anything in a sense about it, but they send a registered letter um, to that address of where, you know, the, the, the person's uh, car that they would see. So, you know, the wife could see it or whoever could see it, if the business could see it, if it's a registered vehicle to a business, et cetera. So there's consequences. It's just not criminal. Yeah. So what about the argument? And I, again, I used to hold this view years ago, um, and I've moved a completely opposite, different direction. You know, this doesn't hurt anybody. Speak to that. I mean, because the degree of exploitation of so many of these women, you know, 90% plus, these are women who came from a really tough background. They've been abused. They've been marginalized. There's drug use. There's pimps who stand in the way. So the woman doesn't get to say, I'm selling my body for 100%. She's going to be lucky to get pennies on the dollar after the pimp's done with her. Exactly. And and uh, I believe it was CBC that has an article that's right in Regina that... Uh interviewed a massage parlor worker it says says right in there this was years ago um that you know she was abused by by uh, the people that uh, would come to see her like just talking about the the physical violence obviously it doesn't happen every time but uh like you said drug use um can you imagine uh um, just the harm that uh being involved in in doing that um in general uh, i just wanted to say too that uh canada has um on their temporary work permit where they're bringing in international people, it literally says right on there that you you uh, cannot work in the sex industry. And so they acknowledge that uh, there are people being brought in. If we look at Regina as an example, before um, all of the massage parlor or body rub establishment uh, um, licensing stuff came in, there was, I think, 22 massage parlors, and 21 of them were predominantly or 100% Asian for the workers. So if that's not a red flag, I don't know what it is. That's- this is the hour of the big stories where everything goes, 877-332-8255. What, what turned my thinking on this, because I used to have this sort of conventional libertarian view, you know, what the heck is government going to do in this? If, uh, let's do the classic gender, she wants to sell uh, her sexual services to him. He wants to pay for them. This is a private transaction. Uh, she gets to set the price. They negotiate. She keeps 100%. And everybody goes home. We had a woman on here uh, who was an instructor at one of the John schools, I think in, in PA, and she was powerful. And she had been a street worker, and she talked about the amount of exploitation that often begins when someone's just a teenager. Uh, they often come from a background already as having been abused as children. She talks about what pimps do, what those who run the sex services business do. And by the time she was done, both personally, she and I were just chatting, sitting right here in the studio, but even on the radio, she was compelling. This is as greasy and grotty and exploitive as you can imagine. And if you want economically to perpetuate that by men paying for it, well, I don't. So I think the Ryandometers of this world have to be sent a clear message. Every single man. And they catch tons of them. Uh, Brian Pfefferly was saying the biggest thing he saw was 40. Often it's 
half a dozen or so. This latest one in Regina was 16. Well, it is what it is, and good on the uh, vice cops. Casey and the gang for doing what they do. 877-332-8255. Okay, so anything on your mind today you want to chat about? So Pfefferly and I disagree on just how much this should be criminalized. He says, remove it from men buying sex as well. Leave it out of the criminal law. I say, no, make those men the example. And socially, let's discourage this. Or you may have another story altogether. And I think this is a good news story for the ages. And I'm not an expert on Grey Cup games because I watch so few of them religiously. Usually if the riders aren't in the Grey Cup, it's kind of background noise. I might have it on. I'm there more for the party than I'm there for the football because I usually can cheer for neither team. I don't like any of them in the CFL except the riders. You know, in the NFL, I've got all these other teams, maybe four, five, six, that if my Packers aren't, you know, I can kind of like. You know, the Chiefs, the Bengals, uh, Dolphins. Okay, that's all in the AFC. Uh, NFC side, it's harder to find teams I like, but there are some. But Canadian football, I was riveted yesterday, watched every single minute. The halftime show with Green Day was awesome. The opening show uh, was was terrific. It was just a great day Hamilton gave Canada. And an even better day that Cody Fajardo and the Alouettes gave us in that win. 877-332-8255. And we will get into why Saskatchewan people are talking about Cody Fajardo. What do you think? Redemption clearly for him. What does this say for Saskatchewan and the Riders? I say nothing. The Cody Fajardo we let go had seriously underperformed. I'm delighted that he was able to find a new page in Montreal, but I don't think this reflects badly on the Riders at all. You might disagree. 877-332-8255. I'm Gormley, and this is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm John Gormley. Let's get you on the radio. The hour of the big stories where absolutely anything and everything goes. So a couple of big stories today. Sask Party MLA Ryan Dometer kicked out of his party caucus. He will sit, one assumes, if he stays in the legislature as an independent. Uh, just noticing on social media, Jamie Martins, uh, well-known uh, town city councillor in Martinsville, one of the original Martinses of Martinsville, uh, she is seeking a Sask Party nomination in a new riding there. Uh, strong outstanding uh, political figure. Uh, I certainly hope she does very well in the political world uh, now that she moves into provincial politics. Uh, Given the seriousness of the allegations, and she talks about uh, her own views on the exploitation of women, her own involvement in uh, uh, Canadian women in local leadership and dealing with gender violence, I believe it is only appropriate this MLA resign today. So that'll be the pressure on Ryan Dometer. So we will talk more about the commodification of sexual services. Pfefferly was just explaining all of that. Criminal trial lawyer Brian Pfefferly. And the other big story, that stunning come from behind win for the Alouettes 28-24 over the much-favored Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Grey Cup 110. Uh, Bob in Saskatoon, uh, what do you think uh, overall of the Grey Cup? That was better than any Super Bowl game I've ever watched, to be quite honest with you. 
How suspenseful. You know, and I'm not going to get on the on the Fajardo uh, redemption thing. I always liked Fajardo. I think he got I think he got a bad deal when he was with uh, with the Riders. I hope management really management really can see that. Uh, end of the day, you know, this team of mis- you know, let's call them misfits. That's what the media is calling them. Um, bravo! It was incredible. Just a yeah, great all around game. I, I was the same. You know, so did you go in cheering for the Owls? I, I sort of, I don't cheer for anybody because I, you know, I'm indifferent. <laughs> My, thy oh, name I, is no, indifferent. I, in I went in cheering for the Owls. You bet. You did? Okay, because I, I was just yeah. watching the first half. I thought, ah, Winnipeg will win anyway. And then just you watch the grit and the determination. I was just cheering my heart out for him in the second half. I've always I've always gone for the underdog and their defense. Every, everybody had them, had them counted up that Winnipeg was going to steamroll over them, and I thought, not happening this time, baby. What a great game. Yep, I'm with you there, man. 877-332-8255. Uh, one of our gang makes a very good point. Would have liked more some Canadian talent. Okay, Green Day's not Canadian, but what did you think of Jamie Fine? You know, if anything's left is the hit. You'd know it. Just Google if anything's left. You've heard it on every single music radio station. Uh, she's a Canadian from Ottawa. And wow, was she something else. She opened the show and thought she did really well. 877-332-8255. I'm Gormley, and this is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Well, at least turn your headlights on. I'm John Gormley. Good to have you here. Thanks for checking in. Ah, my final week in the big chair, uh, which will soon be occupied by my good buddy Evan Bray, host of the Evan Bray Show that begins right here a week from today. Oh, I'm so pumped for the big guy. He's going to love this. And I am going through those emotions and feelings that <laughs> I resolved a lot of the misgivings about a year, year and a half ago when we first started planning this. But you know what this week's going to be like. Uh, somebody was teasing me this morning. They said, you just go full speed right till the end. And I said, that's the way I'm wired. I know no other way. So we'll be doing the show except for Friday. It will be my last show. So I'm just going to turn it over. The only guest who will be booked for Friday because he is a staple of Fridays, will be the big guy, Belton Johnson. It's eating time. It'll just be you and me and 25 years and three months of memories and uh, 6,000 shows, 30,000 guests, <laughs> at least that many topics. It's so hard to put into words. And I, 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 I'm really out of words to talk about it, but thank you so much. So we'll do that Friday of this week. And then I will take my leave. All right, let's get you on the radio now. Uh, by the way, it is being called, I love this, a much, a highly anticipated air service announcement being made by WestJet, 11 o'clock this morning, not at the airport, YQR, but at Agribition, which begins with the, uh, uh, what do they call it, the burning of the brand? Is that what it's, I apologize, I always mix up that expression. Yeah, burning of the brands. And that'll happen uh, this morning to kick off Agribition. By the way, I'm going to be at Agribition tomorrow doing a show. So what's WestJet going to do? We think, and I guess we hope, 
that like Saskatoon, which for a number of months now has had three flights a week to Minneapolis-St. Paul, thank God we have some direct point to the U.S. flight now. Uh, Regina hasn't, and Regina lost the Delta one several years ago. Hopefully, Regina will have the same WestJet service edition. So, fingers crossed. Okay, absolutely anything and everything goes here in the hour of the big stories. You make the call. Uh, two big stories in play today. Uh, sexual commodification, uh, the charge against Saskatchewan Party MLA Ryan Dometer. The guy will admit responsibility, go to John's school and not get a criminal record or even a conviction, we think. Mr. Dometer's not talking for obvious reasons, caught in an RPS sting. And the stunning, I think one of the best ever exciting games, the Alouettes beat the favored Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 28 to 24 in Grey Cup 110. Keith, impressions of the uh, overall Grey Cup? Well, the Alouettes are always my Eastern team. Uh, like, I cheer for the Vikings. I also love the Green Bay Packers because they're a small town team like uh, Regina, Saskatchewan. But a great game. It's sad to see one team win over the other, but I just couldn't cheer for the Bombers no matter how many years <laughs> I lived there. But uh, happy for Cody and Barry. I, I, I knew that lady's songs. I just, I've heard them on the radio. My daughter plays them. I just had no idea who the heck she was, but she knocked it out of the park. Green Day did as well. And, uh, you know, I, I hope the ratings show that the, that a great game was enjoyed by many. And uh, on a closing point, I just want to say congratulations on your upcoming retirement. Uh, uh, enjoyed. I moved home in 99, so just after you started up, and you were kind of my morning routine for many, many years here. And I thought I'd take the time to phone in, and uh, kudos to you. And if I had a theme song for you today, it would be Warren Zevon's uh, Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Uh, enjoy your retirement, John. <laughs> Thank you. I have a friend who has that song playing all the time. Lawyers, guns, and money. Yeah, check it out. All right, let's get uh, more calls on the radio. Thank you for your patience. Ian in Saskatoon, what's on your mind, sir? Well, I got a chance to uh, do a couple of more bucket lists. You know, I did the RCMP musical ride earlier this year. I got to see Terry Clark and Paul Brandt last night at uh, TCU Place. Oh, how was that? They were. It was sold out, and they were very good. But it make being there made me remember why I don't like going there, and it's the size of the seats. And I'm not talking width. They are so low, you feel like you're sitting at the kids' table in McDonald's. I hope when they, <laughs> if they build a new one, they actually design something that's made for adults. It's funny you say that, because I go to a lot of... I've had season tickets from the beginning for the rush, so that gets me there a fair bit. But I never thought, because to me, they're all... I mean, all the seats are at that level, right? Which was a 1985 build. TCU, what, maybe I'm getting it wrong. Centennial Auditorium. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, TCU. Sorry, sorry. I was thinking of uh, Sastel Center. My apologies. So TCU, I don't find the seats low there at all. Do you? Like oh, the, well, maybe it's because most of the people that were there were getting old. But you know, a lot of us were complaining about how low down they are. Like maybe it's just the uh, Grand Circle, you know, first balcony. I don't know. But That's uh, weird. I, I've never thought that at all. So maybe, Hem, uh, as we age, just lowering your butt down to that level without <laughs> stronger supports might take a little out of you with that i wouldn't of course suggest that for you of course being young and virile but maybe other people around you were commenting on it 
Absolutely anything and everything here. Uh, Darcy in Saskatoon, you're watching the business of city politics. What's up? Well, 7% and a little bit uh, at this point, city of Saskatoon property tax increase. Regina, 2.2. Yep. My, my, my thoughts are, um, if we have a property tax increase any higher than Regina, uh, there, there's no call for this. Like, there's just no call for this. The, city, the, the citizens of Saskatoon deserve to not be gouged for property tax increases because historically, over the last decade, city of Saskatoon taxes its citizens for property taxes higher every year than Regina. Much higher. Yes. And uh, but, but see, don't be unenlightened, Darcy, because you might be a Philistine like me. You might not have an appreciation for bike lanes. You may not have an appreciation for an exhibit at the garbage dump uh, and staff hired to explain to us the significance of a garbage dump. You may not have people being consulted on uh, how you can uh, do recycling and uh, a team of people who will actually come to your house uh, to help you with uh, certain waste issues you might need some help with. I mean, don't be unenlightened, Darcy. Saskatoon is about giving lots of phony baloney jobs. Well, I, yeah, yes, John, I understand that. And I may not be as enlightened as you, and I take pride in that little statement. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you you and I are both the unenlightened. That's my point. You know, <laughs> I when, when, when a I'm composting you, team brother. shows up at my house, I'll tell the composting team where they can go. Right? You do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the goal. Saskatoon more than anywhere, because Saskatoon's entire circus, and of course you elect clowns, you get a circus, has to be replaced. And sadly, that does include some fairly major people in the city administration, the, the, the career civil servants. That doesn't happen unless there's an 80% voter turnout. And if there's one thing, a lot of you said, oh, when you leave on Friday, I'm going to miss your rants. I'll tell you, I know 11 people who aren't going to miss my rants. Uh, and a couple of them are now looking at running for mayor. You know, nothing says better. Be a low-performing councillor and then offer yourself as mayor. The power of incumbency in Saskatoon has to work in reverse. If you see a name on the ballot, you recognize because they've been on the ballot for a while, because they've been a councillor, it should work the opposite way. Names you recognize should not get your vote. The new wave of young, smart, people preoccupied with a passion for their city who don't think this is right... Every single one of them should get a chance. And 80% voter turnout will do that. You will see a major, major turnover. If you go 27% like last time, or the usual average 35 to 40, you get no change. 877-332-8255. Oh, texts. We get texts. And let's have a look at some of those next on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. John Gormley, good to have you here. Hey, uh, five things uh, to watch for this week on the business front. Inflation numbers are out tomorrow morning. Uh, 
This happens every month, by the way. You didn't even used to think inflation. Oh, for about nine or ten years. Uh, so Tuesday morning, the annual inflation rate, the last time, which of course was in October, we saw the September numbers. Uh, now we will be awaiting the October numbers. Last inflation numbers were 3.8%, which is nicely down from 8 but it's still considered sticky, as some economists call it. So keep an eye on that. Tomorrow morning, this time, we'll be talking about the inflation numbers Cross fingers, they're below 3.8. The fall economic statement also comes out tomorrow afternoon. You remember, budget's usually in March-ish. The fall economic statement, which tells what the government's doing halfway through the fiscal year. Krisha Freeland, the Minister of Finance, coming out with that tomorrow. Uh, Also, retail sales numbers are out from StatsCan. And they will be released Friday. So retail sales are a bit of a benchmark of the economy. And there are a couple of other issues. Uh, Two-day conference Wednesday uh, on what's called Indigenomics. Uh, It's Bay Street's shout-out to Indigenous businesses. And Tiff Macklem, who is the governor of the Bank of Canada, is speaking to the St. John Region Chamber of Commerce on Wednesday in St. John, New Brunswick. So we always watch, particularly in this volatile inflation and bank rate time, anytime Tiff Macklem opens his mouth in public, all of us are saying, hmm, wonder what he's going to say. So those are a few things to keep an eye on. Uh, so let me go to the texts. And see, I don't see it your way, and I know a lot of you are very frustrated. Darren in Saskatoon, the result of the Grey Cup reflects an issue with the Riders. End of the 22 season, the Riders said the issues that caused a seven-game losing streak was the performance of the quarterback and the offensive coordinator, Cody Fajardo and Jason Moss. So those two reunite for the 2023 season in Montreal. They have an eight-game winning streak and are hoisting the Grey Cup. Brenton Swift Current says there is something wrong and Ryder Nation needs to look at it. Winnipeg has a former Saskatchewan quarterback, two former coaches from Saskatchewan. How many times in the last five years have they been in the Grey Cup? Now Montreal, a former coach, former quarterback, and he goes on to say Ryder Nation needs to wake up and it's all about things that aren't happening in the front office of the Riders in terms of talent talent recruitment. Bonnie says, never give up on a quarterback who professes to have a little sprinkle of Jesus. Just a practice tip. Uh, Okay. I don't see it your way. And take, I mean, you, you, you judge particularly in football. I mean, yes, you've got a strategic plan. Yes, you're looking at things going forward. Where are people in the development of their career? And yes, Coaching should be judged on bringing out the best in people. But the Cody Fajardo of last year, like, let's remember, we were complicit in this. What was our general sense last year? We love the kid. We love his passion. We love the sprinkle of Jesus. We love the affection for corn dogs. But there was the sulking. There was throwing players under the bus. There was a seven-game losing streak where this guy couldn't hit a pass if his life depended on it. And this was the second year of low performance. And what did you always complain about for this lackluster offense? Well, besides a completely porous O-line, and that still hasn't been resolved to the satisfaction of many of you, what did you complain about? 
I watch a game and I know the next play. That Jason Moss guy's a bum. Now, what I didn't know, and uh, Jason Moss, apparently this became an issue on the sideline interviews, uh, admitted that he used to have fairly noticeable, visible blow-ups when he played with the Riders on the sidelines. Whether it was at players, whether it was at other coaches, Moss was seen and he admitted that he would lose his temper and be pretty disruptive on the sidelines. So go, so let me take you back to 2022. That was not a difficult call to replace both Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo. Now, it is a testament, and I think this is where the underdog thing starts to get traction. This is where those of us who believe sports is really just a metaphor for life. Redemption. Who doesn't like the comeback? So this is Cody Fajardo Beginning of the season, uh, contemplating maybe moving on. I mean, football was a, you know, a good endeavor while it lasted. But, again, these are young men, got the whole life ahead of them. He's convinced by Jason Moss in Montreal to, to give it a try. And then, not just a great game to watch, but that last drive, seven plays, 83 yards, was on the back of Fajardo. I mean, listen to Jamie Nye's explanation of it. You see a couple of great passes. Uh, you see him scamper to get a first down. And then that 19-yard pass fittingly into the arms of Jason Philpot, Canadian. And you watch the trajectory of that pass. And again, I used to joke about Cody Fajardo. Like, I forgot that balls actually travel in a spiral. Like, in a in a... Okay, I won't be facetious. You know, Fajardo was he of kind of wobbly passes that hung up there forever. That pass to Philpot was like a foot off the ground. Where was the margin? You know, where he had to throw that thing? It was inches. It was a perfect pass. Touchdown, go ahead, 28-24, win the game. So Cody Fajardo has redeemed himself to himself and to football fans, and I couldn't be happier. And I'm not going to blame the riders. I'll give credit and tribute to a young man who was resilient. I'm Gormley. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.